Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we have a ton to get to. I'm turning the lights on. I see shadow on my face. Oh, we got a ton. We've got a ton to get to. We have Patricia Trainer. We did a quick interview with her later on the podcast. We got the camp brawl. We got a Kenny Gall, Andrew, and a bunch of little nuggets that we got to talk to. Justin, how are you? And before I ask you how you are, I'm going to tell you how I am. I'm fired up, man. Like I haven't been like this mad at the national media in a while. And it, I mean, they had some. The the whole national media view of the Giants right now is whacked. Speaking of national media being bad uh, i have a microphone arm as the youtube people can see so i guess i'm kind of i'm getting more media snobbish as i as i go full time bobby skinner so bad job on me this week had everything you know stefan that snl segment there on, on weekend update this week i know weekend everything. update i don't I don't know well, who Stephon, St- Stephon, Bill, Bill Hader did a did a whole thing. I, don't, I can't believe you don't know who that is. It's like a national figure. This week had everything: fights, Jason Garrett, a shirt that said "fight." Uh, like so, uh, this week really did have everything. And I'm this is the first week where I really am jazzed up just about football because I got in my car, I w- I drove to the facility, acting like I drove to the facility after there was a fight and Joe Judge was eviscerating people. We were had we had full pads on for the first time and we got to react to that and see some of that stuff. People are coming back from injury slash we got some injury news that wasn't as bad as we like think and Darius Tony's come back. So there's like there's a lot of reasons to be jazzed up this week and football's coming. Well, and part of the reason that we're jazzed up is because of Robert Marmer and first name Jim, last name, he doesn't have one. Sure. Who are these last name heathens, Justin? Halpert, Jim Halpert, went to patreon.com slash talking giants. Uh, become a patron. Uh, a lot of fun, $2 a month, plus there's some other tiers if you really want to support us, which Bobby Skinner's kind of wild for making those tiers, but $2 a month. Uh, shirt raffles, Bobby sends you a free magnet. You get to see the live shows as they happen. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Thank you to our patrons. Do you want to start with Kenny Galladay injury stuff or the fight um, and the reaction to the fight? The fight. I want to start with the fight. All right. So if you've been living under a rock Tuesday, so it's been, you know, when you're listening to this three days ago, so it's kind of old news, but we only do the podcast twice a week. The Giants had a, a, a entire squad brawl. Now, I do think it was more of a glorified shoving match than anything. Is essentially Xavier McKinney hit Corey Clement. And a drill where they're supposed to be just like thudding, but he didn't like he hit him. He hit him pretty hard. Uh, Evan Ingram shoves Xavier McKinney, and then supposedly Logan Ryan just comes and like spears Evan Ingram in the back. Which, if there's one thing I'm bothered by, it's like don't do that, dude. Like you can seriously hurt somebody like that. Don't do that, Logan Ryan. And it just turns into an entire like brawl slash pushing match. And Daniel Jones is at the bottom of the fight, so Daniel Jones is getting involved, and. Joe Judge, who, by the way, said last year that I have zero tolerance for camp fights. I'll throw you out of, out of camp, you know, and, and they happen every year. They didn't happen last year for the Giants. Granted, it was a COVID year, so some differences. Uh, I mean, he had them doing 100-yard sprints, push-ups, and then reamed them out for a good, t- you know, five, oh, ten yeah. minutes or so. Oh, Joe yeah. Judge was pissed off because he doesn't want fights in his practices. It was the most pissed, uh, according to beat reporters, the most pissed that they've ever seen him, and I, I love it. I, I love the fact that there was a little that there was a little fight. You know, I don't think that this was anything, you know, luxurious. Like you said, I think it was a glorified pushing match, and 
the Butte reporters, as we you know have learned uh, on Thursday with this whole Jason Garrett situation, they maybe have the tendency to over-exaggerate things, but also that's like their job. You know, their job is to report what's happening and get some clicks. So not I kind of the don't Thursday blame them. Stuff. It's not their job to do that. Neither here nor there. I was pumped for the team that they're competing. They're out there. They're competing. I was pumped that Joe Judge was eviscerating guys. And, you know, I don't care, you know, if you have the take of, oh, you know, turns football players off. I still even some Giants fans that were a little critical of, you know, just whether it's the fight, the Joe Judge reaction, whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't care. I'm pumped up. This is intensity. This is intense. I love intensity. I love football. This was fun and exciting. Before we get too deep into it, do you think that, you know, Michael Irvin said this, and I said this in my video on Tuesday. Do you think that Joe Judge, like, secretly, like, loved that? You know, like, you don't want it happening all the time, but do you think there's, like, you know, him and Pat Graham were in the back room, uh, you know, after practice, and, like, man, that was that was pretty fun. Since nobody got hurt, you know. Yeah, I think there's, there's a 75% of him that legitimately does believe that if you do that during a game, you're going to get thrown out, and... Coaches, good football coaches, are of the belief that you practice how you play. But 25% of them, I think, the first day of pads. That was the first day of pads, correct? Yes. So the 25% of them, the first day of pads. And coaches aren't always going to say publicly what they're thinking privately. Yes, I think 25% of them is definitely like, ooh, this is kind of good. Guys are guys are getting a little chir- chirpy with each other. And I, it's not to say that he wanted that. Like, I... I... Yeah. 100% believe that Joe Judge does not want fights in his practice. If you said, do you, can you have that or don't have it? He's like, I don't want, the, I would never want that to happen again. But I do think there's part of him who's like, I love the freaking intensity and the way these guys are, are rolling from day one. Uh, but like he, he reamed into him, you know, he had him running sprints. And honestly, for someone who doesn't want fights to happen, guess what's probably never going to happen in a Giants camp with Joe Judge ever again? A fight. I'm, seriously. Players don't want to sprint, you know. They they accept it and they understand it. But like they push-ups don't want to too. They were doing push. They were doing push-ups and then their break from push-ups was going on a hundred yard like, sprint. Yeah, they know. Like, <laughs> like you know, there's gonna be no there's gonna be no camp fights without that ha- without repercussions. And that's why camp fights happen uh, a lot of times. And then you they'll never fight in games, even though, like I said, you can become undisciplined if you're just letting that happen all the time. It's because players know that if I fight in a game. I'm getting, I'm losing money in my pocket. I'm leaving the game. We're in camp. It's like, well, you can't, it's like, you can't get in trouble. Like, we can't get in trouble for this. Where Joe Judge is like, oh, no, 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 my friends. You can get in trouble. And I saw even guys like Damian Woody being like, sometimes we plan fights to get a break. Well, guess what? Joe Judge doesn't want you getting, making uh, your own breaks. Yeah. I cannot wait for the day that I am sitting at a Giants practice and I hear this man. And I'm using Snacks loves the word eviscerate, and I think I've used it twice so far this episode. I cannot wait to be sitting at a Giants practice and to hear this man just eviscerate somebody. I cannot wait. Can't wait. I can't wait to shut up the national media. The national media has sucked this week. It has been brutal. I mean, this got turned into, and honestly, I think a lot of it is Wes Steinberg. Like, I really do think that Wes Steinberg is the reason why a lot of people are reacting to Joe Judge and they dig in with their takes and then they realize they look like idiots. And they're like, uh, well, you know what, still. This idea, and and, and this this phrase needs to die. It just needs to die in all of football. Even if, you're, even if you're Matt Patricia. Well, if they don't win, he's going to lose the locker room. No freaking kidding. No kidding. 
Do, oh, oh, do you think that if they lose, they continue to lose, that they won't like him and they won't work? Duh. No, duh. Like, Giants fans love Joe Judge right now. If we lose this season and the season after, I don't think they're going to be like, they're going to like Joe Judge anymore. No kidding. They're going to, he's going to lose the locker room if they continue to lose. And it just kind of like showed to me that so many players like really don't care about winning that much. It's like, I just want to chill. And I remember even when, you know, when Ben McAdoo was fired, and I remember a, a certain safety who wore number 21 when the idea of Bill Belichick came up, he's like, no, nah, we don't really want to work like that. Like, he basically said that flat out in an interview. It's it's so... And it's just ignorant. Like, if you're saying this about the Lions, okay. But it's like, all the Giants vets have bought in. Logan Ryan, Sterling Shepard, Daniel Jones, Jabril Peppers, Saquon... I mean, Saquon Barkley was leading the way in the sprints. Hell, Sterling Shepard, who was here with Ben McAdoo, who, like, never got on them. And then when he needed to get on them, they had zero respect from them. And then Pat Shermer, who never really got on them and always had their backs and always kind of, like... You know, tried to play it cool with him. Sterling Shepard in an interview in the offseason, unprovoked, was like, you know, those, you know, last regimes, we didn't really condition or anything with Judge we do. So he's like, he was complaining well, that they Shepard, weren't doing that. Even Shepard this week, Bobby, uh, he said, I think post, uh, you know, we're jumping topics here, but post two guys retiring in the span of just a couple days, he said, this ain't for everybody. And if it's not for you, you can, you know, there, there's the door. He openly and publicly said that. And for a guy that's, like you said, that's been through a couple different regimes and, you know, really, you know, arguably somebody who should have a C on his shirt, but a leader in this locker room for him to come out and say that, you know, when a lot of people do say, oh, you know, it's the veterans that you really have to get to buy in and get to work hard because the rookies and the young guys are going to do that no matter what. Sterling Shepard candidly came out and said, this ain't for everybody. And there's the door if, if it's not for you. I another love that. Talk, yeah, and another talking point has been, well, look, stop trying to be like Bill Belichick. Does anyone who's, like, ever been around Joe Judge question that this is genuinely him? Does anyone? Like, has anyone who covers the Giants been like, this guy's kind of fake? Nobody has. In fact, he goes into detail of, of explaining why he does everything, not just trying to be a hard-ass. Like, you know, the red zone explanation, like, oh, talk about, oh, overworking your players? Guess what? He's been working on red zone to start the first week of camp. Why? Not be, not even necessarily because they sucked in the red zone last year on offense, even though they were really good on defense. He's like, we, guys are still getting their legs underneath them. So all these, you know, people talking about, oh, he's they're gonna, he's going to overwork these guys. Well, guess what? He's working on different drills to keep their, to build themselves up. And the whole conditioning thing, like he again, un, players unprovoked being told, like, hey. They showed us the studies and the results of how we had less injuries than other teams and how the conditioning worked for us yep. to help us. doesn't mean they're injury-free, but how it helped them. So it's like they're seeing the results of that. Um, you know, and even, I'm going to cut you off right here. And you, I feel like different sports, but I feel like you even see that with the Yankees right now. You know, the Yankees, they take the rest approach. You know, doubling up rest days and... You know, a guy can't pitch three days in a row, and they have, like, this theory that that's going to work, and that's been one of the reasons for their demise the last couple of years because they're, like, one of the only teams in baseball that take that ultra-rest approach, and frankly, it's destroyed them throughout the last couple of years just of being so conservative, so conservative. And Jimmy Johnson in a football life, which is, I think it's my favorite football life out there. Now, Jimmy Johnson, older school coach, 90s coach. But, you know, it was a, it's a philosophy that I think a football player should have of, you know, you want to be looking on the other sideline in the fourth quarter, and you want to see 
the other team and the guy that you're going up against with their hands on their knees and their hands on their hips that they're tired. And you want to be able to run like a deer in the fourth quarter. And he talks about that, and I love that. That line gets me so pumped up. So that's like what you want. And Joe Judge, you know, he's not overworking them, at least on pads yet, which that's what you really do worry about. And that's what the national media, I think, you know, that's what they are perceiving that Joe Judge is doing, that they're just Dan Campbelling Oklahoma's over over and over again, which that's what he's not doing. He's doing the exact opposite. But the conditioning side of it and getting their bodies ready, Joe Judge is doing that, and that's a great thing. Well, you even brought up the Aaron Judge or Aaron um, Aaron Boone thing. Well, even on the personality side, do you think Aaron Boone, who has patted these players on the head and stuff like that, do you think he could go in there and ream them one day? Do you no. think that any of them would take him serious if he did that? He can't no. do that. So he has to be like the Pat Shermer. Or if he doesn't, if he goes in there and tries to demand, then it's Ben McAdoo. We have to suspend the guys every single week. And the laps thing, laps is like the easiest punishment in the world. You do a light jog around. It's not like he's forcing these guys to sprint around. It is a light jog. It is, it's easier than playing football is running laps. There's not like running a lap for a professional athlete might be the easiest form of punishment you can ever have. And then as far as the cursing and stuff, like Joe Judge explains, like, yeah, do I curse a lot? Yeah, but I'm never going to like belittle a player when I'm cursing. You know, it's yeah, I use a language, but I'm not belittling the player, which was an issue with Matt Patricia. Um, and again, the players have bought in. So who cares what these no-name losers who, you know, played third-string tight end for Eric Magini in 2008 care? Who cares what they say? Because the players have clearly bought in. And guess what? I'm so glad that Joe Judge is doing everything he can to try and get winning out of this team. And by the way, we saw his guy, Patrick Graham, the defense go from 30th to to 9th, is trying to do everything he can to win instead of being a pussy and trying to extend his leash. Whoa. Like he's doing, instead of just doing everything to try and extend his leash to not catch any heat, he's doing it his way. And they say, don't be like Bill Belichick. Well, guess what? He's not. He is being Joe Judge. And even if... Even if this doesn't work out, you cannot say that Joe Judge is not being genuine to who he is. Yeah. Um, and Bobby, one of the reasons why it may not work out is because of a guy that, do you want to talk about him next and what happened today with him? Sure, why not? I'm already fired up. Yeah, we're already talking about media, so go go in go in a little bit more. We're t- I'm talking about Jason Garrett. Pat Leonard, man. I So the whole... Give us a recap. Not everybody's on Twitter. I don't even want to spend too much time on this. But Jason Garrett, you know, he had his his presser today, which was his first one in person with the Giants. And, you know, I guess apparently he he said, you know, uh, you know, it's good to see you guys. And like no one really repeated anything back. And they started and he like kind of looked at him like, you're not going to say like, good to see you back. And like one or two people like went to say something. He's like, he's like, that's how you say good. That's when you say good to see you, coach. That's how we do it around here. Like, was basically saying, like, hey, like, you know, say it back. Say it back. You know, and he was smiling. He was joking. He was saying it in a laughing matter. And also, just as context. Pat the rat. Just as context, everyone on the beat before today, may have changed today, everyone on the beat, all that I heard is that, you know, you don't get a lot out of Jason Garrett during his pressers, but he is the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. That's what you heard out of Jason Garrett. And then this is what happened. And there's been a billion times, even including in this interview twice, where they said, hey, Jason. And one was like, hey, Jason, how are you doing? He's like, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Like, so they've been like, it's not like, you know, it's like they tried, Pat let the rat tried to make this sound 
like like Deion Sanders where he's like, you need to address me as coach. And they even said it. Like, he never said, like, you need to call me coach. He's like, he, he demanded that he called us coach. He never said anything like that. So it was totally misconstrued. And then just national media picks it up and starts crapping all over. Like, I have been the biggest Jason Garrett critic. Like I, we. I yeah, we, we, <laughs> and we're going to talk about it a little bit because he, he kind of got off the hook because of it today. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not letting him off the, the hook. crap that he got today was, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for Jason Garrett for the crap he got for making a, a joke and not demanding that they call him coach. And then you have guys like Matt Lombardo, you know, writing in his blog because he's a blogger crying about, oh, you know, I don't have to do this. I don't have to call him this. Like he, he didn't, he didn't even, he didn't say that. And it was, and you know, and I, and I'm on the side that like the beat reporters don't need to call them coach, you know, like that, that's a debate in itself, but it's like, I like the beat reporters don't need to call him coach. He's not their coach, but he didn't say that. And he, and that was, it was construed that way and made him look horrible. Like I, I feel like I, for the first time ever, I feel bad for Jason Garrett. I don't because I'm a bad guy. Um, but really, it wasn't even just Pat. It wasn't even just Pat Leonard. It seems like there was a consensus amongst people on the beat. And I guess, you know, is there a difference between being there and feeling out the situation versus but a, just seeing? A lot of I them know we didn't have audio. A lot of them didn't hear it. They saw Pat Leonard's tweet because they had moved on to the next. Because they were um, they had the the co- assist, other assistant coaches on the side. I don't know. How, I don't know which ones exactly. But some of them didn't even hear it. They just saw Pat Leonard's tweet. Okay. All right. Well, I could honestly care less about that. I could care less about that. You know, sure. You know, did, did he did he deserve that? And did he deserve to get put through the ringer for, you know, hey, you, know, you address me as this? You know, maybe, maybe not. You know, probably not. Just lying. Like, it's... But, it's... This, but this is where I had a problem. This is where I had a problem. But I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking football here, Bobby Skinner. There was a question. And I'm going to read the exact question, the exact quote. Do you intend to use more motion as far as moving guys pre-snap, trying to get the defense off balance in that regard? Whoever asked that question, credit to you, because it's been about uh, an entire year and an offseason where I know Jason Garrett doesn't talk to the media a ton, but there should have been more questions about schematic stuff to either Judge or Garrett long time ago. Answer, yeah. Motion is, obviously, if you followed our offense last year, a big part of what we've done. That's a lie, first sense. Last year, we ran a lot more of the no-huddle stuff around the line of scrimmage where you don't run as much motion. Second sentence, I think that's also a lie. Bobby, I don't exactly remember. Yeah, it's the not 20- true. It's, it's, I don't remember. When did we ever, like, re- like besides when we needed to, run a hurry up? I, almost never. When I, I can't remember if we were the 2014 Chip Kelly Eagles uh, at any point last year. We were using tempo. Sometimes we went fast. Sometimes we went slow. That is very true. Sometimes we went fast. One of the one of my followers brought up a good point where remember how there were snaps where the Giants would rush up to the offensive line and snap the ball to try to catch the defense off guard. Yes, that did happen. Sometimes we went slow. Absolutely. You know, maybe sometimes they didn't exactly give a formal huddle, but Daniel Jones was at the line of scrimmage for almost 25 seconds being a maestro and audibling things at the line of scrimmage. That did happen, particularly against Cincinnati. I remember there being multiple times against Cincinnati, uh, the Deion Lewis third down catch on the on the left sideline against Philadelphia. Those are plays where Daniel Jones let the clock go down to make his adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Yes, we weren't in the huddle as much last year. I don't know if you guys could see that on TV, but that was one of the big things that we did. 
motion and shifting and movement. All that stuff has been a big part of what we've done in the past, and I feel like if it applies to a particular game plan, we'll certainly use it. Now, here's my main question. What in the hell does huddling up or not huddling up have to do with pre-snap motion? Now, I could be an idiot. If you're trying to do a hurry-up offense, like, you don't really have the time for it. But they weren't. They weren't. No. Like you said, there was time where they did hurry up, but, like, it was... It it was a it was a really bad excuse. It wasn't true. It just wasn't true. I I am I was bewildered by that answer. And what that tells me is that they're not going to do it. And Kadarius Tony, you know, and I well, hope apparently they use Tonian motion a ton today. But yeah, yeah, I, but it, also, but also they threw the ball downfield all last summer. And then what did they? And then what did they do during the regular season? They didn't throw the ball downfield. So I. This is why I just go, and I know it's just this just quote, but this is why, you know, if you hear me and you hear how I talk about this Giants offense, and I'm just not excited for it, and frankly, I am aiming for average, and I think that is best case scenario, and this man is the reason why it is best case scenario, because there will never be a day, never be a day, where he is amplifying his players. It is going to be his players that amplify him because that's what his Dallas coaching career was. A Hall of Fame roster. DeMarcus Ware is a Hall of Famer. Jason Witten is a Hall of Famer. Des Bryant was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL at one point. Tony Romo is a borderline Hall of Famer. I'm rooting for Tony Romo to be a Hall of Famer because that makes Eli Manning's Hall of Fame candidacy that much better. Tony Romo's not a Hall of Famer. But I'm rooting. I'm actually low-key rooting for him to be. And the things that I saw Tony Romo do... As a as a young Giants fan and break my heart multiple multiple times at MetLife Stadium, you know, Hall of Fame offensive line for years, and he did nothing, nothing with that team, and finally he got a bad roster and a bad offense, and they were crap, and they were Adam Gase. That's what they were last year. So this man, and it's a good question where. Pre-snap motion and motion at the snap is a legal form of cheating. It's legal. It is a legal form of cheating in the National Football League where you it gives time for a QB to diagnose what's going on in front of him. It does not complicate an offense. It doesn't. It's not about timing. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about helping a QB diagnose what's in front of him. And he blatantly doesn't do it. I'm done. All right, but I I can't complain about that until we see it in a game again, which is like you said, it's, it's very likely that nothing changes. I hope things do change, but uh, it's it's, it's you know you know me, I don't. But excusing excusing that it was a big part of your offense last year, when there's also just you know Seth Walder pretty much puts this together every single every single week, where yeah, it was know, a horrible excuse. But I also you know me, I don't care about press conference, what coaches say, pressers. Well, no, but also saying that we have to be better. That's part of it. And ex- excusing like, oh, yeah, we, we did it a ton when you didn't. Flat oh, yeah, out. he totally just made that up. I mean, there's yeah. flat, it's not like a, a matter of opinion. It's, it's numbers. I'm done. I'm done. We, we know the frustrations with Jason Garrett. But this is, this is part of my line of thinking of if you get mad at me, it's like, oh, why, why don't you think this offense can be top 10? And why don't you think this offense can put up 30 points a game, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is why. Because we have a man that probably thinks a lot highly of himself than he honestly should call him coach okay yeah. um yeah jason 
bet bet against don't bet against Jason Garrett. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer for just my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Play place any pre-event wager of one dollar to be eligible to cash. $100 in free credits. If America wins any medal this year, that's 101 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 101 odds on a, uh, and an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate. has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get all the action. My friends love it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. The code JOHNBOY to turn $1 to $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. See New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restricting supply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana 1-800-9 with it. Kenny Galladay hurt his hamstring. But they say it's not that bad. Going to be two to three weeks per Zach Rosenblatt. But they're really going to baby it. Um, so I'm not worried about this. The only thing I'm worried about is like, you know, that's two, three. That's like two weeks or so with less chemistry making with, with Daniel Jones. Yeah. yeah, And, and like spoiler alert. Any, any injury concerns I have for Galladay were like, they didn't get heightened by this really. No, no. Frankly, I, I am a lot more relieved um, because... Hamstring injuries can linger. I've said it four times already this summer, and we're going to say it again. Spoiler alert, Kenny Galladay's PPP is on Monday, so give a little bit more takes as to that. But, yeah, I'm not extremely worried because also Kenny Galladay is the best wide receiver that Daniel Jones has ever worked with. And when a good player is on the football field, uh, I have a feeling that Daniel Jones is going to recognize that and he's going to use them. And even if they don't have the most chemistry in the world, uh those two are going to be all right. I mean, even think about Slayton his rookie year. They had really good chemistry. Remember Slayton, like, basically missed that almost that entire camp? Yeah. Like, um, like he played the one Cincinnati game that was basically – like, he he missed a lot of time, and then he missed and the he first ball- two games of the out. season. He balled out in that Cincinnati game with Daniel Jones that first time that they were basically yeah. kind of throwing to each other. One nice the rookie pass camp, on Will so. Jackson, who plays for yeah. uh, the Redskins now. So, yeah I- – I do think that if if they truly are babying it, like they say, and then it's not that bad, or, you know, like we've heard, I do hope they still, like, do some drills. Like, Shane Lemieux is out there. He's not practicing with the full pads right. team practice, but he's out there working some drills and stuff. So if, if it's what they say, I think Jones should still be doing, like, side work with Kenny Galladay and, and trying to work on that chemistry a little bit. Yeah, more, uh, more, more uh, end zone fates. I'm here for it. So, um, you know... It, uh, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but if Kenny Galladay was really hurt, like how bad does that like just ruin your mood for this season? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Like I don't, I don't even want to think about no. it. Someone whose season is ended, Levine Toilolo tore his Achilles. He was the fourth tight end. Caden Smith was practicing above him, anyways, and you know Levine Toilolo was already dealing with some injury stuff. I mean, it sucks for him. But on a on a like a just a football note, I don't think it really affects the Giants that much, unless Kyle Rudolph. You know what? We've been talking. You know, we talk about Saquon Barkley and stuff. I think could we be a little worried? Like, when's Kyle Rudolph coming back? You know, like Saquon's a freak athlete. Kyle Rudolph isn't. Yeah. What is it? A foot injury with Rudolph? Yeah. Yeah, pushing off the foot. Yeah, and he's not like the. 
most athletic guy in the world to begin with, and he's had regression, you know, I put that in quotes, regression issues in Minnesota anyway the last couple of years, so it it's worth being worried about, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? But at the same not, time, Levine Toilolo being on the roster doesn't make you feel much better about it either, you know. But what's honestly not... It's worrisome when you just consider Kyle Rudolph as a player, but it's not worrisome knowing that you have Caden Smith. And this does basically all but stamp Caden Smith's spot on the 53 if there oh, was yeah, an argument if there was an argument with it in the beginning before the um, Troy Lolo injury. Yeah, I think he was pretty much – like the way camp started, it was almost like there was no like thought of Caden being cut anyways. Um now the the other tight ends they have on the roster: Cole uh, Hikutini, Rice and John, Tommy Stevens, who they just signed, who was a quarterback for Mississippi State. Uh, Nakia Griffin Stewart. I I don't think that I don't think they're going to shoehorn a fourth tight end in now, right? Like keep a guy like Sills, man. Sills has been balling out from everything we've seen. Is Sills eighty four? Yes. Tight end number, but he's going up there like a contested catch tight end guy. Yeah, keep, keep which I think sales. it was. I think it was actually. Is is it Patricia Trania that says in this interview that it's like a very poor man's Kenny Galladay, like going up there with the contested catches? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know what? I'm back on the David Sills train. You know, I tried to keep myself off of it going into this, but I'm back. Like I, I want him on the roster. Like they're like, keep, put David Sills on this roster. I don't He's care what you have to do. He works with Dan- like every single Daniel Jones workout. Didn't, and he worked out with all different players. It wasn't like he was the same guy. The one guy who was there for every single one of them, though, was David Sills. Whether they're in North Carolina, Arizona. Even when Daniel Jones was doing the charity, like, Senior Bowl stuff, David Sills was there. Like, David Sills has been working with Daniel Jones forever. Like, just keep him for that sake alone. Like, um, the David Sills army is getting stronger, and I am joining the David Sills army. Keep him on this roster. Hmm. I'm looking at pictures, too. What are you looking at pictures of? I'm looking at pictures of David Sills. How is that Because I like to I like to give uh, every year, you know, who's going to be the, the Giants' most attractive player on the roster. Last year it was Blake Martinez. This year I'm thinking it's Sandro Platzcomer because he kind of looks like Blake Martinez. But I'll tell you what, David Sills could get that award. How about Joe Looney? Oh. <laughs> Giants had two players retire. I don't really want to spend like too much. I don't really don't want to spend too much time on this retiring stuff. Um, Todd Davis Hello, said they were asked. It's it, it felt like they were asking me to start over, but he praised the coaching staff, which essentially to me meant like he was down on the. De- he didn't come in like as I think he kind of w- wanted to come in as like I'm the starting inside linebacker, and he wasn't. Uh, and then Joe Looney supposedly just didn't have it physically. Like you know, um, he's like I, I just don't I don't have it to play football anymore. So he retired. So. I, do we need to spend any time on this? I mean, this was more just fun to joke around about, like Joe Judge's forcing guys to retire. Yeah, just more and more victims of the Joe Judge camp experience. I I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, sucks. Uh, once a giant, always a giant. Read the ad and send it to the interview. I need to return this call. Yeah, go go return the call. I got it. My show. It's everybody's worst fear. It's a Justin Solo. Show And we need to thank our friends at Sports Management Worldwide. They are the global leader in online sports business education. They teach people how to work on the business side of sports. Their classes are taught by industry professionals. 
Probably not Pat Leonard. Probably not by Matt Lombardo. Your mentors, they've been in the game you want to work in and have done the jobs you want to do. They have graduates who work for all 32 NFL teams. Also, Patrick Hanscom, who is an area scout for the Giants. So if you want to be an agent, if you want to be a scout, if you want to work in a front office, if you want to work with film, sports management worldwide, they got you covered. You can learn from former GMs like Tampa Bay GM Mark Dominic, football analytics gurus, Aaron Schatz, who is a football outsiders. I absolutely love football outsiders. Can't believe they got Aaron Schatz to work with them. Mike Trainer, also a football outsiders. Very pumped that they have those guys working with them. I may even do this. I may even do this. And guess what? You can apply free at smww.com and use the discount code GIANTS for $50 off the first course of your choice. They offer courses in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and more. If you have always dreamed of a job working at sports, sports management worldwide, they can help you from sports betting to esports, sports broadcasting. And again, I did a little broadcasting last year, but I may want to brush up at smww.com. They have the what you know and who you know to get you in the game you love. smww.com. Use code GIANTS, $50 off your first course. Every time I read the ad, gets even cooler. Thank you to those guys and gals. Bobby Skinner. Oh, I'm throwing in the interview. Ah, man, see, I'm really bad at this. All right, so we had Patricia Trainee on. Sports Illustrated, Patricia Trainee. Here it is. There you go. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. Welcome back to the show. And now we want to welcome on Patricia Trania of GiantsCountry.com, Sports Illustrator, and also one of my favorite books, The Big 50 Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. Patricia Trania, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. What's up, guys? Good to see you as always. Hope the summer is treating you well. And hey, football is just around the corner now. Yes, I'm very. I'm also very jealous of your backdrop. I mean, YouTube crowds getting an extra treat. You, your backdrop, it is better than both mine and Bobby's. <laughs> and you know, we're behind a camera every single day, so I'm very jealous of your backdrop. I want to ask to kind of kick this off first because I feel like all Giants fans are talking about. And at least this is what's going through my mind too. It's just Joe Judge mania, Joe Judge frenzy. Now that you know you're actually there and you're reporting more this year, um, what is a Joe judge practice, like kind of a big macro picture, macro picture question. What is a Joe judge practice? Like, does it compare to any of the past coaching staffs or how does it differ from the past coaching staff? Since, you know, I think, you know, you've been through the last few regimes with the giants. Yeah, it's uh, it's very intense. There's no wasted downtime. You know, I, I think they realize that you only have so many practices to get things done during the summer. And Joe has the practices structured in such a way that really there's no waste of time, which is, which is the biggest thing. Um, He also paces those guys. So it's not like, okay, the first day of practice, boom, we're going hundred miles per hour. He ramps them up because he knows that even though there's, you know, only so many training camp practices to go, you, you can't hit the ground running per se. You have to work up to that. So the way he structures the practices is pretty interesting. I don't know if you saw it or not, but he was asked about why have you been focusing more on the red zone now, as opposed to, you know, doing the other stuff. And he explained it. He says, well, it's a shorter area of the field. So the guys don't have to run as long. And that allows me to ramp them up while also addressing 
you know, the top, you know, an important area of the field, which we all know they struggled with last year and just, you know, gradually build them up. So everything he does has a reason for it. And when you understand what that reason is, you sit there and you go, oh man, that is genius. Yeah, I, I heard that the other day. And I was like, wow, I never really thought about that. Like just, you know, I thought, you know, they were working on red zone. It's like, okay, they struggle in the red zone. They want to get working on red zone. And then you hear the answer from judge. It's like, oh, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. But we have to ask you about this. One, how is this training camp fight different from others? And two, I know Joe Judge, you know, supposedly gave them a nice, you know, five-minute uh, colorful speech. Do you think he secretly is happy that it happened now that no one got injured? I don't think he's secretly happy that it happened, despite the fact no one got injured. It, it, you know, he was talking about it today on the conference call and he said, look, anything that's going to cost this team penalties or make it harder for them to score or whatever, he says, I have no tolerance for that. As for the fight itself, you know, do you remember the old days with Keith Hamilton and Rich Seibert going at it? I mean, oh, yeah. I, those, the, every, every, it seems like every, it seemed like last year yeah. was the outlier where we didn't have anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, those, those were true brawls. I mean, you saw fists coming at you, uh, kicking. Do you remember? I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was Snacks Harrison ripped yep. off somebody's helmet. I can't well, remember Hernandez, who the player was. I, I believe. Hernandez's. My favorite of all time is Shockey versus the Jets and Interest Squad, but yes. I can't find any video of that, even though yes. I did remember seeing it on Sports Center way back in the day. But, you know, the point I'm getting at is, is I wouldn't say that yesterday's ruckus was really a fight per se in the, in the true sense of training camp. I mean, I've covered a lot of training camps. I've seen a lot of fights. It wasn't an all out bar brawl. It was more of a, a, a ruckus, I guess, than anything. It, I call it, was, it a glorified shoving match. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it, Bobby. Um, it was a glorified shoving match. Um, what you didn't want to see was Daniel Jones at the bottom of the pile and <laughs> You know, I made this point on my podcast too. This really bothered me. I mean, I, I get it that Daniel, hey, I'm part of the team. You know, I'm not going to back away. I want to show I'm tough, but you got to be smart, Daniel. Come on. Now, I don't know if he was pulled into the, I couldn't tell, you know, if he was pulled into the pile or what happened there, but, you know, you, you just, you got to be smart. And it just seemed like the whole team piled on onto the, you know, the pile there. And it just, Joe was not happy with it. And he told us today on his presser, that, you know, he basically threw the whole team out of practice. They had like a couple more sessions they wanted to get done. So we cut short the practice and he said, look, we were going to do conditioning work anyway. I just started it early and I intensified it. And it was a, it was a scene out of, I don't know if you saw the miracle on ice, you know, the famous again yeah. scene, mm -hmm. that's what it kind of reminded one of. You know, and we, this is the stuff that uh, we were jazzed up yesterday. You know, it's probably different on, you know, your, your side of things where like, this is the work and you need to make the observations, write up your reports, et cetera. But this is the stuff that gets us jazzed up. I mean, I made a video where I fake got in my car and I started to drive the to the facility because I couldn't take it. I need to see it. I need to see it. So really the feel and the energy around this team, you know, according you know, probably the national media is like, this guy's too tough and this will never work. But at least with us, especially if you compare it to the previous two regimes, at least on my opinion, this is just such a different feel and energy that this guy is is bringing. And I and that has to be kind of in line with kind of maybe what you're seeing. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything he does has a purpose to it. And, you know, I had an opportunity to speak with him one on one a, a few weeks back, a couple of weeks before the start of training camp. And 
you know, I told them, I, I, I said, you know, a lot of people have questioned why you do things. I said, with the exception of one thing you did last year, and that one thing was playing Daniel Jones coming off the injury when it was clear Daniel Jones couldn't even walk, let alone defend himself. I said, with that, with that one exception, I said, everything you've done makes sense. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because I'm old school or, you know, I come from covering Tom Coughlin's entire tenure where I can grew an appreciation for that. I, I don't know if that's it, but I like what he's doing. He's, he's teaching, you know, it, this isn't about being the quote unquote hard ass, being a pain in the butt or anything like that. This is about getting your, your message across. And these guys are responding to him. We saw it last year. We're seeing it this year. And, you know, look, some, some players will revolt if they're treated like children. These guys are not. They see why Joe, Joe is doing what he's doing. He's explaining to them why he's doing what he's doing. And, you know, right now, as far as I know, all is happy in the land of the Giants. Well, we, we, are, we are happy when that's happening. Now, we talked about this with Art last week, and it's kind of changed since then about there's four wide receivers who are guaranteed on the roster, essentially. Slayton, Shepard, Agalde, and then Kadarius Tony. And then last year, it was like a someone needs to take this wide receiver five spot. And it ended up being Damian Ratley, who wasn't even on the team, you know, until, until cutdowns and CJ board. Now this season, they have a guy in Dante Pettis who they played towards the end of last year, John Ross, obviously former first round pick. And then now the guy who really was behind the whole fan base was behind last year. And David Sills is supposed, you know, having an oppressive practice. How is that wide receiver five job unraveling this to start camp? And, does David Sills like have a good shot as good a shot as those other two guys? Because I like him, but going into this, I was like, it's really between Ross and Pettis, but it seems like he's emerging. Yeah, that's a tough one, Bobby. Um, you know, look, I, I look at it this way. It's going to come down to special teams. And I don't remember off the top of my head what David Sills was able to give them on special teams last year. I don't think it was much, but look, here's the other thing. David Sills is kind of a, he's a tall possession receiver. And you're right. He's looked fantastic in camp so far. That being said, you know, is your fifth receiver going to be, you know, a return specialist? Is it going to be a gunner, which CJ board was last year? Remember the gunner play last year was, was very unstable until board came along and kind of calmed that down a little bit. And that was a big problem with the punt coverage. So I really think special teams is going to come into play here. And, you know, I, I mentioned David Sills' skill set. It's not, I don't want people to think I'm comparing him to Galladay, but the skill set is kind of similar to Galladay's, but a poor, a very poor man's version of it. And that he's a tall receiver. He's a possession receiver. And, you know, to me, maybe you try and put David Sills on the practice squad so that if Kenny Galladay has injury issues, which right now, of course, he has the hamstring. Now you've got a viable backup who can come in and, you know, pick up as best as possible. And I know there's, there would be a drop off again. I don't want people to think I'm saying that Sills and, and Galladay are on equal ground because they're not, but you look at the skill set and where do they match up best? So I, I think special teams definitely is going to come into play. And, you know, is it going to be a returner? Is it going to be a gunner? I would say probably a gunner would have a better chance of, of getting that fifth receiver spot, but it's early yet. So we'll see how it plays out. We're getting preseason games again. Who is someone that's besides, you know, the starters or guys who are expected to contribute once the real season starts that is like 
showing off in camp that might gain like the fan bases like favor in preseason because there's always someone who you know becomes the the darling of the fan base in the preseason yeah the uh at the oh joe what was that guy's name adelaide uh, joho i think was one and uh Jonas washington was one yes jonah c Wright, the legend of jonah c Wright. you remember him yeah um let me think for a second there um i would probably say somebody on defense and i'm trying to think carter he's he's not really like you know, he's established, but Carter Coughlin is a guy who has really stood out to me. I mean, he's a guy that originally they were going to play inside, but because of the injuries on the edge last year, he got some outside snaps. I know he's a draft pick, so maybe that doesn't count. No, it does. I, Cause I mean, right, you know, we didn't know if he's going to make the roster even coming in. I, I think he will. Yeah. I think he will. I mean, cause they only remember they only have three undrafted free agents. I would say a guy to keep an eye on right now, maybe Kenny Wiggins is a guy that I think a lot of people maybe didn't have making the roster that I think will have, has a better chance of making it because, you know, when you look at the offensive line and how they're building that, You've got the five projected starters, and now for the depth, you figure if they keep nine guys, they're going to need four guys for depth. So Nate Solder's your swing tackle. Um, Joe Looney's going to be your backup and center. And then Wiggins can play guard or tackle. So now you've got a you know a, a guy who's versatile enough to play there. So he would be a guy to keep an eye on. Um, I'm just trying to think who else. Carter Coughlin, I mentioned. Um, gosh, it's kind of Penny early, Wiggins right? would be an interesting one because but yeah. I mean, he was signed midseason last year and, you know, went right before the trade deadline. So that, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, does that mean Kevin Zeitler is gone? Um, and But he's not part of like a free agency signing. They signed Zach Fulton, where we kind of really didn't think about Kenny Wiggins at all going to camp. And then yeah. Le- Lemieux goes down and Kenny Wiggins is all of a sudden right, playing in that exactly. role. Right, very exactly. T- very telling, I thought. You know, the fact that Zach Fulton wasn't the first man off the bench like we thought it was. Now, I don't know if that's because Zach Fulton is primarily a guard on one side or, you know, how that worked out. But I thought that was very telling. And then just doing the research on Kenny Wiggins, I'm like, okay, this guy can play guard. He can play tackle. He can really play anywhere. And Joe judge, you know, the theme of this year's camp is versatility. So the more you can do, the better your chances of sticking around. And and that's why you see guys cross training. You know, I, I thought it was interesting, even Joe talking about the, the starting offensive line or the projected starting offensive line, him saying that Gates, Nick Gates, the center would get some snaps at guard, which made me think for a while there that maybe Joe Looney was going to sl- slide in there at center and they were going to shake that up. Um, we haven't seen that yet, but uh, just, you know, so much, so many possibilities. And I think that's what Joe likes is to have different possibilities because how many years guys have we screamed about the giants being predictable mm-hmm. now? I don't think we can say that about this team with, with the, you know, the offensive weapons, the defensive packages. It, I compare it to a Rubik's cube, which maybe isn't the best, um, you know, example, but a Rubik's cube, any, you, you have trillions of combinations that you can twist that thing into. And I think on offense and defense, if Jason Garrett is creative enough, if Patrick Graham is creative enough, and we've seen Patrick Graham is creative, they can do any number of combinations, including stuff that maybe we won't see or haven't seen before late into the season. That's how versatile these guys are. You know, and speaking of, creativity you know someone who was in the center of the action yesterday Xavier Xavier McKinney he's kind of working as like an off-season acquisition because he really barely even played last year and now this is really going to be his first full camp 
So what are you seeing some things from early observations that you're seeing from him and maybe how he's being used, you know, where he's kind of running with the uh, ones, twos. I don't even know if you could say it, say what you could say about Xavier McKinney, because really having the threat of those three safeties back there, it really does help Patrick Graham and this coaching staff really be creative and makes this defense uh, a huge wild card and an unknown. And that's, and I say that in a good way. Yeah. I mean, if you remember the 2011 team, what, what was a staple of that defense? They had three good safeties. Remember yep. they have three yeah. good safeties down and you're right. It allows them to do any number of combinations. I mean, McKinney can play the slot. He can play deep center field. If you need him to, you can have him down in the box. He can play the star. I mean, you can move him anywhere. I think I've even, you know, Last year, I think he even lined up a couple times on the defensive line as, in, you know, off the edge. So this kid is very versatile. There's that word again. Um, fresh legs, you know, very enthusiastic, but yet very controlled and focused. You know, coming from Alabama, there's just something about that program. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about that program that these young men come in to an NFL team and they're they're enthusiastic, but they're controlled. They're not like all over the place, like a rookie who's wide-eyed and, oh my God, this is awesome. And, you know, I got to make that first big kick to impress the coach. So I really like what I've seen so far from Xavier McKinney. And, you know, I think we're just now starting to see, you know, they're starting to scratch the surface with how he can be best deployed in that defense. And he's going to be a key for sure moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's not only exciting to see how good he'll be this year, but also, like you said, it's like... We're not even 100% sure how they're going to use him because, you know, he's Pepper. Like, you could say he has a similar skill set to Peppers, but I don't think they are going to transform Pepper's role um, and give it to McKinney. Last question I'll, I'll let you go with. Sam Beal, do you think his days are, are numbered as a giant? I think so, Bobby. You know, I mean, when, he, when they drafted him initially, there was a lot of hope, and I know – Dave Gettleman spoke about, you know, the year after he said, oh, this guy, if he had been coming out, he would have had an even higher grade, tons of talent. Let's not, let's not, you know, take that away from him, but you got to be on the field. You yeah. got to harvest that talent. And we just haven't seen it. And I think it speaks volumes that they went out and they signed a Dory Jackson. They drafted Aaron Robinson. They traded for Isaac Yadam, um, you know, Darnay Holmes was a draft pick last year. They moved on sort of, if you think about it, I don't see how Sam Beal survives. I mean, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me for my podcast, if I could think of anybody who came in and had a lot of hype as far as the talent, but didn't make it. And I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but I thought of Demontre Moore and all the talent he had coming in and how he wasn't able to really make it with this team and really has struggled to find a place in the NFL because of maturity issues. Now with Sam Beal, I'm not saying he has maturity issues, but um, you know, I think it's, there's, there's definitely the talent. You see the talent. Um, he had the, uh, the off season issue, I think out, out in Ohio, but he's still here, you know, so that, that certainly is, is something to take into consideration, but I just don't know how you fit him on here. Do you maybe move him to the practice squad considering all the time he has missed. I mean, that could be a possibility, but I don't see him making the 53 man roster now. Right. All right, Patricia, where can people follow you and find your work? Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore trainer 
Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. You can find me on giantscountry.com, which is the SI sports channel uh, Giants feature, uh, Giants page. And of course, I'm the host of the Locked on Giants podcast and fingers crossed starting next week, at least that's the plan. We're actually going to YouTube with the podcast. So that should be fun. Yeah. Uh, in addition to doing the, the traditional podcast on, you know, iTunes and Google play and Odyssey and all those other, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, yeah, that's going to be new for me. And hopefully I don't embarrass myself and you know, it goes a lot no more than we already do. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you guys are pros. I mean, I I'm still adjusting professional to video professionals that embarrassing ourselves. I, I, I know. <laughs> no, you guys are fine. Uh, Patty, thank you uh, again for coming on. Always a good time. Um, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. No holds bad. He was, he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the Vasity. Hey, everyone. Today, we are taking a second to talk about one of the best all-around sports shows on the John Boy Media Network. That's Wake and Jake, hosted by Jake Story Alley and Big Baby David. He's a big baby. From talking baseball and talking Yanks. Each episode is jam-packed with all the sports stories you need to know. I've been on there a couple times. Uh, and, you know, I'll probably go back on it. You know what? You know what? I, I think I'll be on there when I'm in New York next week. How about that? So make sure to look out for it. I'm, just, I'm inviting myself on. Jake and, and, and BBD recap the latest scores and headlines across baseball, basketball, football, hockey, more. They have bro the night and bro the night. Uh, I can't remember what mine's were. Guests like Jeff Passan, Chris Rose, Trevor Plouffe, and Bobby Skinner make appearances to give their thoughts across the league and partake in games That's you. and contests. I added my name in there. New uh, ep- I've been on there more times than Jeff Rose, I think. New episode. And- Jeff Rose? Who is Jeff Rose? Or Chris Rose. I mixed Jeff Passan yeah. and Chris Rose. There you go. Um, you know, Jeff Passan, he gets baseball stories, so he's interesting. New episodes release every Monday and Thursday <laughs> mornings, whatever you find your favorite podcast. You can also watch the show live on the Wake and Jake YouTube channel or John Boy Media Facebook page. All right, that's an episode. Um, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday for PPP. Kenny Galdi and Adoria Jackson PPP, actually. And then Tuesday, we'll having Barstool Clem on the show. And... I'm going to be in New York next week for FanFest. I guess we should maybe say this now. We're going to the Met game Tuesday night. So if you want to join us and you want to buy tickets, we haven't bought our tickets yet. I don't know where we're sitting. Don't ask. Probably going to buy them the day of. But Tuesday night, we are intending on going to that Met game. Yeah, we're gonna, we are going to buy them the day of. They're playing the Nationals, too. I'm going to root for the Nationals so freaking hard. Yeah. Um. So we appreciate you guys. We'll be back. Enjoy your weekend. This is the last weekend without Giants like football to watch. So enjoy that. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. See you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue.